I don't know about you, but it seems like every time I turn on the news, there are harrowing stories of drug abuse and addiction racking our country. Despite our best efforts, it seems like this problem is only growing. The most disturbing part? The patterns of addiction often pass through the family, from parents to child, and down through the generations. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. Today's episode is the second part of the Johnny Brandon Mill story. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you pause right here and listen to that first. And just a heads up, this episode includes content that is not appropriate for our younger listeners. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the journey of a man who grew up around drugs and abuse and had to contend with protecting himself and his child from repeating those patterns. All on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later we're going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize that you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. It's part two of the true story of Johnny Brandemil. Last time on Unshackled... What's taking him so long? I really need some weed. I don't know. Just relax and enjoy the baby. Come on, people. I'm tired of waiting. Hey, little girl. You ready to go home and meet your big brother? Mr. and Mrs. Brandemil? That's us. We've been waiting to be released, like last time. I'm afraid it's not that easy. Why? What's wrong with her? With the right type of care, your baby will be fine. So what's the problem? There's a standard test we run on every newborn, and yours just tested positive for illegal drugs. But that's not possible. It's been... There must be some mistake. Sorry, no mistake. Now let me explain how this works. In exchange for letting you take the baby home, Veronica will enter a mandatory intake program and be drug tested twice a week. And we will visit your home twice a week to ensure the baby is being cared for. As long as mom stays clean, there's no problem. That's assuming both of you stay drug-free. How about you, Dad? Do you ever use drugs? Me? Yes, you. No, not me. I never use drugs. The man in our story grew up in a neighborhood filled with addictions and abuse. He never dreamed that he would repeat the very same mistakes that his parents had. And he's about to enter a downward spiral that even he's powerless to stop. We now bring you part two of the true testimony of Johnny Brandemil, right now on Unshackled. I can't believe you lied to that social worker. What was I supposed to say? I don't know, maybe stand up for me? You made her think it was all my fault. If they tested me and found out I'm using meth, they would have taken her from us. Besides, you're the one that used drugs when you were pregnant. Well, it's hard to stay sober when your husband uses every day. I used weeks ago. 
How was I supposed to know it would still show up? Just forget it. Someone's coming tomorrow to inspect our house. When we get home, I need you to help me clean it up. I'm dropping you off. I have to get back to work. Why am I not surprised? There comes a point when you're using drugs so often that you forget what normal looks like. You use drugs to stay awake at work, and you use drugs afterwards to unwind from work. You become the center of your own universe, and protecting your family becomes the farthest thing from your mind. One day after work, I went to a friend's house, used drugs, and didn't go to bed until 7 the next morning. I slept for 12 straight hours right past the time I was supposed to be at my job. Hello. Hey, it's Johnny. Sorry I didn't call you sooner, but the baby was... Don't want to hear it, Johnny. Your shift started four hours ago. Yeah, sorry. I I'm on my way. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Don't bother. I'll just be here Monday morning. Meet me in my office. Have a seat, Johnny. This won't take long. Hey, I'm really sorry about what happened last Saturday. You know, we've warned you numerous times about being late. That's why you were placed on probation two months ago. Sorry, I forgot. We run a business here, and we have to rely on our employees. I promise you, it won't happen again. You're right, it won't. We're terminating you as of today. You can't do that. I've been here over ten years, and I have a family who... We've offered you help numerous times, but you always refused it. There's no one to blame but yourself. You did this to yourself. I went home and went nuts in my garage, crying and screaming and throwing things. Yelling was normal for Veronica and me, but after I lost my job, she started hitting me. Slaps mostly out of resentment and frustration. My son would jump between us and tell us to stop, just like I did when I was a kid. For a while, I didn't hit back, thinking I deserved it. I thought I would do what my hero father had done, and she would eventually stop. Trouble was, it became easier for her every time, and I eventually broke my promise and returned fire. Someone help me! Get him away from me! I barely touched you. Just get inside. Stop right there! Put your hands behind your head. Face down on the ground, now! I swear, I didn't do anything. Ma'am, the paramedics are gonna take you in the house and check you out, okay? Please don't hurt him! He didn't mean it! I won't press charges! All right, buddy. I'm gonna help you sit up. <sighs> I'm getting tired of coming to your house, Johnny. Your neighbors are too. What did I tell you to do when you two start fighting? Go for a walk and cool down. That's right, walk it off. You got any drugs on you that you shouldn't have? No, man. I never use drugs. Right, and I never eat donuts either. I'm taking the cuffs off, and when I do, I want you to take a long walk. You don't come back for six hours, you understand me? Yeah. You got any money on you? No, man. Nobody wants to hire me. I'm broke, man. Here's a couple bucks. Go buy some coffee and get sober. Nobody would hire me. Whenever I went for a job interview, I was either high or coming down off one. I had to cash out my 401k to pay the bills and keep my meth supply coming. But we blew through that money quick. We eventually lost our house in foreclosure and moved into a much smaller apartment. Before the money ran out, I found out Veronica had made lots of big cash withdrawals. When I confronted her, she admitted she had a heroin problem. 
We desperately needed money. So we started stealing from big-name stores and pawning it for money to keep the lights on. The rest went to dope. We were caught a few times, charged with petty theft, and told to never enter the store again. But when you're addicted, there's nothing you won't do to get drugs, even if it puts your family at risk. Johnny, I don't like this. There's too many cameras in this store. Relax. That's why we brought the kids. It worked before, didn't it? All right, kids. Up in the shopping cart you go. Perfect. The kids will block the cameras while we put things in your purse and coat. No one will ever know. I don't think I can fit anymore. Let's ditch the cart by the front door, pretend one of the kids is sick, and let's get out of here. Okay, I'm right behind you. Hey! Let go of my arm. What are you doing? I'm arresting you for shoplifting. Come with me. All of you. Have a seat, everyone. Here are some pictures we just took of your truck and license plate, so don't try to hide who you are or where you live. We know you've done this before. I want you to write down everything you have ever stolen from us. And don't lie to me. If you do, I'll push for a felony. Here's a pad of paper, Dad. Start writing. Yes, ma'am. How old are these kids? Nine and four. Ugh. You people make me sick. You used your own kids to help you steal. Give me one reason why I shouldn't call Child Protective Services right now and have these children taken away from you. Please, don't. They... They didn't do anything wrong. No. But you sure did. Aren't you going to say anything? Nope. Come on, we got lucky. All you got was a ticket. Yep, just me. You convinced her that you and the kids were just fooling around. Good thing, too. What we stole added up to 985. $15 more and it's a felony and you would be in jail. My husband, always the hero. This is the last time I will ever steal from a store. I'm gonna focus on my new job and stay out of trouble. Whatever. Let's just get back to our apartment and- Our apartment? You have never once helped with the rent. That is my apartment. That is my place. And if you don't straighten up and stop your partying, you can move out. You understand me? Maybe I will move out. Maybe I'll drive up to Mom's new place in Oregon and hang out with her for a while. Oh, I forgot. One of your relatives was trying to contact you on Facebook. I think something might have happened to your mom. I borrowed a phone, called my uncle, and found out that my mom had died two weeks before. Both parents were gone now, and I suddenly felt alone in the world. I couldn't afford to go to Oregon, and my mind was so twisted from meth that I didn't know how to grieve her passing. I received some money from her house sale and immediately spent it on drugs and the problems of my drug buddies. Instead of just giving the money to Veronica, I loaned it to her. And when I demanded it back, our lives were just about to get even worse. One day, after I had been living with a friend for a few days because of the fighting, I went back to our apartment building and found Veronica sitting outside with the kids, talking to someone on the phone. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, Mom. See you soon. Why aren't you guys inside with the AC? It's over 100 degrees out here. 
We can't get in. What happened? You lose your key again? No. They changed the lock when we were out. When we got back, there was a red notice on the door. We've been evicted, Johnny. They won't even let us get our clothes out. That makes no sense. They gave us a payment plan and we were... Don't tell me. You forgot that last payment, didn't you? Only because you demanded the money back from me. I'll call the police and they'll force the landlord to give us our stuff. Already called. They said it's a civil issue. They won't get involved. Okay. We'll find a cheap motel until we can. Don't bother. My mom will be here any moment to pick up the kids and me. What about me? What about you? Summer's almost over and our kids are going back to school. When somebody asks them if they had fun over the summer, what are they going to say? That they were homeless? And they lived in dirty motel rooms because their dad was a deadbeat drug addict who couldn't keep a job even if their lives depended on it. What about you? I'm not the only user here. Don't even go there. Come on, kids. Grandma's here. Let's get in the car. No one waited for me as they got in the car. Why should they? I knew I was not welcome after the mess I put my family in. That was the last time we ever lived together as a family. Possibly the worst moment in my life. But 10 minutes later, all I could think about was where I could go get high. Folks, we'll get back to Johnny's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is spreading the light of Christ throughout the globe. Unshackled is now in its 73rd year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to... 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, let's get back to Johnny's story. Over the next weeks, I slept in my truck or in cheap motel rooms. In the last one, I found myself crying to God in the shower, begging Him to not let me die out there. I sold what little I had left in my truck, donated blood plasma for money, and stole groceries whenever I was hungry. Some nights, I'd fall asleep in my truck. Hey, wake up! Get out of here right now or I'm calling the police. You can't sleep here. So I kept moving. One night I parked down the street from my mother-in-law's house where my family was sleeping. My heart was aching with sadness and the temperature was unbearable. I was sitting in my pickup truck with the blower fan running and the radio playing, and that's when it happened. The battery died because the gas tank was empty. I had no money left to buy any, so I sat there for a while, soaked with sweat. I started crying bitterly over what I had done. I got out of the truck and said to myself, 
Pick a direction, Johnny, any direction, and just start walking. Two minutes later, it started raining. Not just a shower, but a torrential downpour. Cool rain that felt so good and washed the layers of sweat off me. Okay, God, you got me. This is the one thing you could have done to get me to go back to that pickup. I've got nothing left. My family's gone. Please show me where to go. Please. Please give me something to hope for. So why did you come to the ER? I already told you. I didn't want to be in the heat anymore. I just needed someplace cool to catch my breath. Do you have thoughts of hurting yourself? No way. How about if things got any worse? I don't want to think of things getting any worse. I couldn't take any worse than now. Are you willing to go to a psychiatric center for 24 hours of observation and then, if you agree to it, we'll transfer you to a rehab center? Is there any family member we can call? No. I've burned all those bridges. How about a friend? Someone who doesn't use. Someone you can trust. There's a friend I know in Idaho. If I was you, I'd move there as soon as you finish rehab. Hey, Doc, you think... You think God can forgive me for all the mistakes I've done? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a doctor, not a pastor. What I do know is this may be your last chance. You either get your life straight or you'll be dead before the year is over. Nothing much happened in rehab except swapping addiction stories and playing cards. I contacted my friend in Idaho and made plans to live with her family, get my CDL license, and find a job. When it came time to be released, they told me I had to call someone to meet the van and sign for me. I called Veronica and told her I was coming to her mom's house and... What are you, nuts? You can't come here. My mom will get angry and take it out on me and the kids. If the neighbors see you, she'll be humiliated after all you've put us through. You have to go someplace else. I don't have anywhere else. And somebody has to sign for my release. Why am I always the one cleaning up your mess? I can't survive on the streets anymore. I need someplace to live for just a few days before I head north. Your truck is still parked down the block. I'll meet your driver, sign the paper, and the moment he's out of sight, you walk to your truck and you leave my neighborhood. I never want to see you again. How could I blame her after all I had put her through? The next day, I started driving to Idaho for my fresh start. But who was I kidding? As soon as I reached Las Vegas, I found a dealer and started using meth again. My friend Tanya took me off the streets of Phoenix, a homeless meth addict. She saved me from suicide. Alas, she died in her sleep from an overdose of opioids three weeks after I arrived. I eventually settled in Idaho, started truck driving school, and stayed clean eight months, long enough to get to the day before my driving test. I'll give you one guess how I celebrated getting my CDL. Yeah, one long meth binge. The next Sunday, I was out driving and saw a sign that said, Calvary Bible Church. I was curious what Bible Church meant and pulled into the parking lot. I waited until after people had arrived and went inside.
everyone was standing, arms up, smiling, and singing songs that I'd never heard before. They were all experiencing joy in the Lord, like they really believed what they were singing. Then later, the pastor spoke. Thank you, you may be seated. My message today begins with this verse from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2. Let's read this together. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. As we can see here, God has given us instructions in the Bible that are a light to guide us through this broken world. But the enemy of our souls wants us to conform to any number of destructive habits that push us away from a relationship with God. So what's the solution? God wants us to renew our minds with the Bible. We either choose to follow him or we choose to suffer. It's as simple as that. Each and every one of us has a God-shaped hole in our hearts that only He can fill. What are you trying to fill your life with today? Is it God or something else? What do you have to lose by choosing to follow Christ? Oh, he loves you so much that he took the punishment you and I deserve and died on a cross for our sins. Receive his forgiveness today. Be born again and let God begin the renewing of your mind and spirit. After the service, people were kind enough to come up and introduce themselves to me. I was kind in return, but years of drug use had left me with very awkward social skills. I felt a hand on my shoulder and turned to see the pastor. I was coming down off a drug high and my clothes were rumpled, but he didn't seem to care. He pulled me to the side and what he said shocked me. I'm Pastor Rob, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, it's, it's a lot to soak in. Well, if you have any questions, I'll buy you a coffee, do my best to answer them. Thanks, I'd like that. I also want you to know that you're always welcome here anytime. Some people think that they, well, they have to clean up their lives first before God accepts them. Truth is, he meets people right where they are, but he doesn't leave you there. So come back, even if you're high. You're always welcome here. Here, let me give you my number. Somehow, he already had my number. Already knew I was a messed up druggie, but it didn't matter to him. He handed me his business card with some names and numbers written on the back and a Bible app where I could look up the verses he wrote. Later that day, I checked him out and something began to change in me. Partly encouragement, partly conviction. One verse in Jeremiah stood out to me. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Even though God was calling me in a new direction, my old heart was pulling hard in the opposite direction. Although Veronica and I were still married, I kept trying to fill that God-shaped hole in my heart with women and drugs. My heart felt like it was in this giant tug of war. 
Many months later, I got a job with a school bus company, even though they had the usual random drug tests. I had just finished a weekend drug binge after a woman wanted to stop seeing me. Then a call came over the bus radio. Attention all drivers, all drivers, today's testing day. When your bus number is called, go straight to the office for your drug test. Bus numbers uh, 17, 23, uh, 3, 16. Jesus, I am begging you, please. If my number does not get called today, I promise I will never touch that meth again. I will finally give all of my heart to you, God. God, I can't lose everything all over again. All my life, I've felt like those bumblebees I used to keep in a jar when I was a kid. My addictions won't let me breathe. Take the lid off me. Set me free, God. Please. Please, set me free, God. 45 and bus number 52. This is base, over and out. My bus number didn't get called. After 23 years of heavy drug use, I pulled my bus to the side of the road and finally gave my whole life and will over to the Lord. I repented of my sins and I never used meth again. Sometime later, I decided to go back to Arizona for my kids, to be their dad. I found another bus job in Tempe, Arizona. I called Veronica and arranged a place to meet her and the kids. When her car pulled up, I watched a young man get out of the car, almost as tall as I was. And my daughter was not little anymore. I reached out to them and we embraced a family that survived the worst of conditions. I wish I could say there was a happy ending, but it wasn't meant to be. Veronica and I were never able to reconcile the damage we had done to each other, and we eventually divorced. Years later, I remarried a wonderful woman, and we started a weekend ministry that reaches out to homeless people in downtown Phoenix. Every one of them has a story. Every one of them has been created by God in his image. <coughs> hey there. My name's Johnny, how's it going? That's uh, hot, man. You got any food on that cart? Sure do. I brought some pizza and some water bottles. You doing okay? I've been better, you know. It's tough living on the streets. But you gotta survive. Take it one day at a time. You better hope this never happens to you. I'm serious, man. It's hard living out here wondering where the next meal is coming from. People like you have no idea how hard it is. I know how hard it is. I've been there. Let me tell you about what God did for me. Like Johnny, sometimes when we mess up, there are repercussions that endure much longer than we want them to. But the Bible says, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Listening friend, new life in Christ is for you. Anytime, anywhere, you can repent of your sins and ask Jesus to save you. There are no special words, because God looks on the heart. If you need help in making this crucial, life-changing decision, we encourage you to call 1-888-NEED-HIM, or you can get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission 
1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, the new prize for this sweepstakes contest is yet another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. The verse on this one is 2 Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. This plaque is gorgeous. It's contrasting chestnut brown outer ring and the light brown inner ring of the bark truly shows the diversity of God's creation. If you'd like a peek at this scripture plaque, you're welcome to visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org and stop by the audio drama page for a picture. The deadline to enter is September 2nd. And next time... I don't understand. We came all this way. They're not allowing missionaries into the country. And, and I found a way. And Aniram, the captain here... You see that ship across the harbor? Yes. That ship is not an option. That ship is going to a place where no missionaries... Have ever been. Yes. A place where the gospel has never been preached. Burma? In the early 1800s, Adoniram and Ann Judson became the first missionaries to witness in Burma. And so scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh-huh. They soon discovered why no one would go there. Our people have no need of your religion. We don't want trouble. If you persist, you will bring nothing but death. Don't miss the powerful true story about this remarkable historical couple on the next Unshackled. Heard in part two of the true story of Johnny Brandemil were Jeff Parker, Tina Glushenko, Demetrius Troy, David Brian Stewart, and Jamie Newell. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Holly Krajewski. Audio engineer, David Pierczynski. Script, Scott Kirk. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.